You're listening to The 80-20 Show, an inside look into the music industry. Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of The 80-20 Show. I'm your host, Mike Zimmerlich, and my next guest is Michael Kaminsky, who runs a company called KMGMT, whose current roster includes bands like Stand Atlantic and Tonight Alive. His journey has been absolutely incredible, starting out just doing music videos and leading into being on the management team for this band called Taking Back Sunday, maybe a band that you guys heard of before. But he has so many stories to tell and has such an incredible journey of where he led up to today. So I give you Michael Kaminsky. Thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate being on the podcast. How are you today? I'm pretty great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. So, um, Mike, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, about how, let's actually, let's start from the beginning. How did you get started in the music industry? Uh, Sure. Well, I will tell you a little about myself. I just crossed um, most people's entire life milestones uh, this year. (laughs) So um, I I just turned 40 this week. uh, And within the last uh, year, um, I had a baby uh, shortly before that. Um, Well, I guess the previous year got married, moved. uh, First time I don't have roommates, right? It was like at 38 pretty interesting. Um, Yeah, so uh, I sort of feel like working in music, uh, I'm finally now like an adult, (laughs) which is really strange. Well, congratulations all around and happy birthday. Yes, thank you. Um, Yeah, it's pretty weird for the first time. Like, if I go to shows, I'm, I'm the old guy in the back of the room. I never thought I'd make it to be that guy, but I'm that guy. Um, So I'm a, I'm a music manager. Right. But I didn't get started in, in music management. I didn't even know music managers existed. Right. Or let alone what they did. Really? Uh, I, I knew from extremely early on that I wanted to work in TV and in film. Right. So uh, for me, all of all of these mediums are about telling stories. Right. And, and books tell story in a certain format and songs tell stories in a certain format. Um, movies tell stories in a, you know, certain type of format. And to me, the perfect format for me was a music video, right? Because it's three minutes long. You have an emotionally powerful song. When you add a layer of visual on top of it, it tells a very different type of story or it amplifies that story. Um, And it was so intriguing to me. And so I knew pretty much my whole life through high school that I was going to do music videos. Um, So... Uh, am I getting off track? Remind me where I'm supposed to go with this one. No, you're, you're keep on going. You're on the right track. <laughs> okay. So I'm like, I know I'm going to do music videos. I know I'm going to do music videos. Well, the hardest part is how do you find bands to do music videos for? Right. And I realized very early on that um, doing the A&R portion of this was so important, right? Because you could have a phenomenal um, video for a band that no one's ever heard of and never will hear of, and no one will see that video. Right. Um, So it was very important to me to spend a lot of time listening to music and finding artists that I wanted to work with. And I was on, uh, I was in college. Um, I was on Napster right back when this was free of file sharing. I just downloading demos, right? Like not even for pirating things, just like anyone could make songs. Like we take the internet for granted. Right. But back then there was no way to listen to music. Um, So anyone would post demos. So I found these demos 
of a band called Taking Back Sunday. And I just thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever heard. And uh, I had gone to my university and I'd gotten a big grant to get like a bunch of video equipment. You know, this is before, you know, iPhones or cell phones or any of this. So the equipment's very expensive. The barrier to entry is very high. And I just emailed the band and I said, hey, do you guys want to like stay at my dorm room? I got this grant money. Like I did all the work. I have the team. I built the team. Here's my vision for this. Are you in? And they said, yes. Uh, so they came and over, you know, three-ish days, um, we, uh, we shot, you know, one of their first videos ever. They played literally a shack, you know, behind, um, behind the dorm room to like 60 kids and went on their way. And, uh, you know, that was a pretty eye-opening experience for me because I think one of the things I realized was I had never considered especially like, you know, you're 20 years old or something like that. I, I don't know if you really sit down and consider like, what are my strengths? Like what makes me unique? Um, how am I an individual? Where am I going in life? Uh, and one of my strengths I think was to have the vision and to build the team, right? And that's what a director and a producer is. Uh, and that's what I was doing. I directed and produced the video. So uh, I, I think I had another realization that was more difficult, which was what, what am I not as good at, right? And I wasn't as good at the execution. Um, and I'm proud of the videos, right? But um, I was much better at having the vision and building the team than I was actually maybe being there and implementing all of it. And that was a bit of a um, powerful realization because I had always just assumed I was gonna be good at that, right? And of course, you know, it takes practice to get good at it. But I was just, um, uh, I think I was really bummed on that one side and I was really excited by the fact that I was discovering that I was good at these other things, right? And like no one ever really tells you you're good at something or you're bad at something. Unfortunately, you sort of, or if they do, you don't know if they're being serious or not. Um, so I, I had to take a lot of that under my own consideration. And, uh, you know, I ended up staying in touch with the band, staying friendly with the band, their manager, uh, and I became friendly from the video. And she said, hey, you know, we're basically just putting out their first record. Do you want to be part of the management team? And I said, yeah, how could I not want to do that? This is like now one of my favorite bands. So I joined uh, their management team as the, you know, number two person. Uh, and I didn't realize it, but, you know, the door for me doing music videos closed. And I think on one hand, that was very heartbreaking because, uh, and I didn't even realize it had closed, right? It wasn't something I thought, you know, I wouldn't be able to go back to, um, or I wouldn't have, you know, the time or trajectory to go back to. Um, but on the other hand, it was like very exciting because I was working with a group of very talented people who are very exciting. Uh, it was just an exciting moment. You have a band that's like blowing up and doing very well uh, within a certain scene, kind of against all the odds too, right? Um, and um, ever since then, you know, I've stayed in management. That's amazing. And that must have opened up so many doorways for you too, because it, at that point was taking back that taking back Sunday was not a known band. It was until you came on board that team that they started getting some recognition. Correct. Uh, yeah. I will take uh, little to no credit <laughs> for that. Um, I was there. I had a very wonderful mentor who shared a lot with me and taught me um, a lot of, uh, you know, the, the fundamentals of what I still use to this day. Uh, but the band 
I, I mean, even to this day, what's so exciting about music is most people don't know Taking Back Sunday, and yet they can go anywhere and sell thousands and thousands of tickets. And even me, who works in the music industry and is very knowledgeable about everything that's happening, someone can go, oh, have you heard of this band? And I'll be like, I've never heard of them. And they're like, oh, they just sold 5,000 tickets somewhere. And it's in some genre I would never know of, right? It could be a, you know, a metal band that it, it's not my world. Um, and I think that's so cool. I mean, to me, that's like what's so exciting about this is like you're working to build up a community and, and these communities exist beyond just pop music, right? And I've worked now in pop music, right? So when I left and I started my own company, uh, we sort of accidentally started working in pop music. And that's a very different challenge, right? Because how do you, I think people think pop music is very easy but pop music is the hardest thing in the world because how do you write a song that relates to, you know, literally a billion people? That's very difficult. That's very difficult to write a song, but it's equally as difficult to write a song that connects with a very specific subset of a community um, that maybe we don't even know exists. And it's a genre that doesn't exist or you're creating a new genre. And to me, that's always been very exciting. And uh, when did you trans? Uh, was the when you formed your management company? Was it originated in pop, or did you still stick with alternative first, and then kind of transitioned into pop? Um, so uh, I worked on the first two Taking Back Sunday albums. Uh, they both they both went platinum with very little radio, I think no radio, very little TV, um, and it was about understanding like what is it about a band, you know, live show dynamic aesthetic. Uh, politics, personality, like what are all these things do to um, be successful, right? And, and to sell a million records, I mean, that's insane, right? It's just insane. So um, they signed to Warner. I took a year saying, like, I'm not going to just like jump on a band that I think is, you know, trying to blow up and try and work them. Like, I'm going to go wait until I find the band and I had a very specific idea in my head of what it was going to be. Uh, it was going to be basically the opposite of everything that was happening in music. Um, and uh, it didn't exist. And I just kept looking and looking and looking and looking. And I was building my network and, um, you know, I was managing, I was managing some bands that were like so far on the fringe. Like I was doing it because I really, you know, love them. And, you know, hoping that the broader world would take a notice of them, right? But, like, especially looking back realistically, um, they were, like, my favorite bands, but they were, like, definitely not, like, a, any kind of pop type of thing. But it was awesome because I was, like, getting to work with, again, super talented people um, and use my skills now that I was on my own. But I, I was taking my time to, like, find the one. And uh, someone showed me a YouTube video of just... You know, new website called YouTube. Uh, we take it for granted now, right? But it's like hearing about some new app that launched and being like, oh, I'm going to see what's the most important thing on this app. Uh, and I just, I fell in love and I got on an airplane and I flew to Colorado. Uh, I met these two guys and they're like, uh, hey, we make this music um, to blow off steam because we're like going to be medical doctors. And, uh, you know, when we're not studying, we think it's super fun to make music. And uh, I mean, if you want to spend six months with us, you can, but after that, it's all over. I said, okay, give me six months. So, you know, built the plan. Uh, so it was a band called 303. 
And what appealed to me about them was, um, and I think it was because they weren't primarily trying to be musicians, right? Like, like a lot of musicians fall, I, I hate to use the word into the trap, but of course you're going to make the type of music that you listen to, right? Or that because it's popular. So if um, Taylor Swift is the number one artist on radio, you just get a lot of people influenced by that making music that sounds like that, right? And then you have right. 21 Pilots. When 21 Pilots, like they were, no one was creating music like them, right? And they paved a way. And now there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I love 21 Pilots. They make a lot of music that sounds like this. Um, but for them, for you know, 21 Pilots is a great example. Like that sound didn't exist. And for the bands that I grew up on that I loved, it was No Doubt, right? It was Sublime, it was Rage Against the Machine. And you read interviews with these people. Um, I mean, you had to read them because <laughs> back then it was only magazines existed. Um, and, they, and they would say like, what is the secret to your success? And the secret to their success always, they would say, all of us listen to different types of music, right? Like we have now, we now have a sound that does not exist uh, because we all have someone likes funk and someone likes reggae and someone likes ska and someone likes metal and you put us all together and we have this unique sound. And that's very interesting. Um, and, and the secret to those band success, right? I think that's very important. So, uh, you know, for me, uh, going to like hear the 303 guys, for me, it was like, oh, this is almost like the anti everything that's happening. That's so cool. Uh, I'm so glad that, you know, they're not just like recreating everything else that existed. And because it was so fresh and interesting and different, um, people took notice of it, right? And so it very ironically ended up becoming pop, <laughs> which, which is not what anyone sat down, sat down to do. Uh, that doesn't mean, by no means will I say it's an accident. Like a lot of work went into, you know, discovering what was working and how do we keep uh, boosting that and learning from it and understanding from it. So it's not like we just sort of lucked into a situation, uh, but no one sat down and said, let's make a, a radio record. Wow. That's amazing. And I love, I love how you, you actively, I mean, it's so important uh, to actively look out and, and discover new music and what, you know, what ultimately artists are bringing to the table. And I cannot emphasize that enough. If you're, if you're an artist out there, you need to put your own spin on the music. Cause if you're doing something that everyone else is doing, then how, especially these days, I mean, you know, you have Spotify where every, you have all a billion access to billions of songs. You you have so much competition and you have to figure out something to get above the fold. Yeah. It's um, I mean, on some hands it's easier than ever and some hands it's harder than ever. Um, I think as of right now, you know, every day there's 40, 40,000 or 50,000 songs being added to Spotify a day. Right. Yep. Um, so is it easy to make a video now? Yeah. Is it easy to record easier to record? Yeah. Is it easier to get noticed? No, it's probably much harder to get noticed. Um, but that's okay. Right. On some, on some levels you think, well, if you just have that song that people just fall in love with, you know, an algorithm will help surface that. But uh, at the end of the day too, like understanding how algorithms work and what people are interested in listening to and having talent and practicing your skill, all of that plays a part as well. 100%. And also to keep in mind, you know, comparison to now and back then, you know, where distribution for example, I mean, distribution now is, you know, it costs you next to nothing now to distribute your music. 
where yeah. back then, you know, it cost a substantial amount of money just to get your music out the door, let alone mm-hmm. trying to get it marketed and all those aspects of it to get, you, you know, to actually make some money from your music. These days with the internet, you can get out there for free. There's so many opportunities that are available for musicians now. So it is a lot to go through. And I think that's the problem is this, it's an overload of exposure and opportunities and you know, also being careful about who you're doing business with and where you're putting your marketing dollars into. But at the same token, that's now available to you that was never available before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, music is music formats have always changed, right? And I think it's it's very interesting that the type of music people listen to is actually influenced by that change. Um, and and of course, you know, we have vinyl and a track and and everything, and it's like, okay, well, vinyl um influence the length of songs and the length of albums and things like that okay pretty interesting uh and then moving to cds and not being able to hear a song right like there was a day most people listening probably don't remember this day but your favorite band would put out an album and you wouldn't get to hear it unless you like went to the store and paid 20 dollars for it and it could be garbage and if and if you know you hit me up and you're like whoa mike have you heard this band no, I haven't. Uh, what do they sound like? Oh, go check it out. Okay, well, the only way I can check out this band and see if I like them is to pay $20 to go buy the CD, right? And then you buy yep. that CD, you're like, mm, no, it turns out this isn't, I don't like this. <laughs> okay, cost you $20. Um, and then it was, um, you know, iTunes uh, selling things for 99 cents. Well, if you're selling things for 99 cents, then the whole point is you're essentially... Uh, the business of the sale sort of dictates um, the type of music that's going to flourish on it, right? Because you're no longer selling albums, you're selling songs every week in the biggest burst that you can. And so you're putting out these big pop singles from boy bands and stuff that would just, you know, pop and do all their sales over three weeks and then move on to the next one, right? And it didn't matter if people never listen to them them again it was just like what song can i put out that was that's good for three weeks and you just jam as many millions as you can and then the song goes away and no one's ever heard of it ever 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 again well you know now with spotify you get monetized every time someone plays that song right so it's a very different type of financially incentivizing people so now you're going to try and find if you're a label right you're throwing money at projects uh, not at things that are going to disappear in two weeks, right? You're throwing money at things that people are going to come back to over and over and over and over and over again for 50 years. So maybe we'll get albums, you know, like the Pink Floyds and the Radioheads and stuff like that again. We'll start to get financially invested. Imagine being, you know, a, one of those bands that like creates the timeless albums in an age when people just wanted to buy one song at 99 cents, right? Like that's a very difficult sell to a label to be like this is why you should sign my band or i'd spend a lot of money on my bands um so yeah formats are always going to change and music's always going to evolve and tools will always change i think just understanding and appreciating that that's going to be the case is um pretty important for for uh, evolving no i i totally agree uh just to uh backtrack a second because i i love how you're talking about discovery. And I think that's important for both artists to understand from a representative uh, point of view of what we look for and so forth. But I also want to talk about uh, just also giving opportunities uh, to artists that even 
even if there are the complete opposite of the culture that you're cultivating, that if you really like what they're doing. And I want to talk about uh, a little bit about how you met uh, Kevin Lyman, because mm-hmm. I there's some really good stories in there that I would love for you to tell. So how, how did you meet Kevin Lyman, who, uh, if you don't know, if the audience doesn't know, is the founder of Warp Tour. So how did um, you meet him? Yeah, I... Uh... What's the setup for this? Uh, I mean, basically, I'm a poor kid in the suburbs. Um, Warped, like many people who attended Warped, was like your one event that you save up all your money for to buy a ticket because uh, you're working, you know, a minimum wage job. And uh, it's like the most exciting thing you can do. Super pumped, uh, went every year and then started to you know, graduate, um, and started to like have my, you know, projects that I was working on, um, you know, videos and management and that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm there with my best friend. Uh, I have very little money. We are starving. We don't really have money for food. Uh, we noticed that like behind one of the main stages, they're doing catering, right? Because they're, they're filming something. So it's not like Warp Tour catering, if you've ever been to Warp Tour. This is like TV film shoot catering, which is very different. Um, we're like, that's where we're going. <laughs> so we like sneak back security and over the fence and all that stuff. And we're, uh, I was pretty brazen, I guess, back in the day. Uh, but we're just like catering, just stuff in our faces. And, uh, you know, it's such a great meal. And we didn't have money to buy, you know, the $6 pizza or something like that. So uh, I would imagine we pretty obviously stick out. <laughs> like, what are you guys doing there? Um, and this woman, you know, I think picks up on what's happening. Um, obviously, you know, more on like the senior level of things uh, and just starts talking to us. And, you know, I'm telling her all this stuff I'm doing and how exciting it is to like watch the film and I do videos and all that stuff. And uh, at the end of, you know, us wrapping up, uh, I just asked, you know, hey, do you ever do internships? I'd love to, you know, just come back and try this for real. She says, yeah, she gives me her card. And I totally forget the entire experience, right? She's some random woman that I felt like I got a free lunch out of. Uh, And uh, three days later, I find the card and Google doesn't exist. So I was on, I don't know, AltaVista, one of those other search engines. Uh, and it turns out the woman is um, the manager for like Smashing Pumpkins, right? Nirvana and stuff like that. Holy smokes. So I call her up. Uh, hey, I'm that kid who skimmed you out of food. Uh, you still want an intern? She's like, yeah, come tomorrow. You're in. Okay. So I show up. And, uh, you know, it was part of this big company that, that worked in entertainment. And the idea was um, as a company, they were going to have uh, one of the most interesting words is synergy. So they're going to have synergy by taking a music company, a movie company, a scripts company, a sports company, and they're going to put them all together and they're all going to work great. And uh, it's a good idea in theory. Um, I don't need to go into it in this conversation, right? But I did get to meet Kevin. And uh, you have all these executives at this, ke- at this company Obviously, to, to me, Kevin is sort of like my hero, but you have these very high-level people. Um, 
and to me, Kevin's like higher than all of them, right? Because uh, <laughs> he started the work tour. He's like right. my favorite guy. Um, everyone else at the company, you know, I'm the intern. I won't say everyone. There was two or three people there that treated me super well. Everyone treated me well. But um, most everyone treated me like an intern. And that's fine. I was an intern, right? Uh, Kevin would call me over and be like, hey, I need you to do something for me. I'm like, dude, anything you want. He's like, come to my office, sit down. Play me some music. What are you listening to? Like, what do you like? Oh, cool. I can do that. Uh, so it just kind of turned into this process where I would very regularly come into the company and I would go buy a bunch of CDs of all my favorite bands I was listening to. Right. So, uh, and I would drop them off outside the offices of all the top level people. I just be like, I don't want anything except for you to realize like this band is so cool. They're like my favorite band. Um, just pay attention, right? That's, that's it. It's like, as a kid, all you want is you just want any like person with power and authority to just like pay attention to music that you feel like is genuine and, and uh, uh, important, right? Um, well, no one did, except Kevin, but they did notice that the CDs I was bringing in after about a year of doing this, the stack of CDs were all bands that were now like becoming hits at radio, right? And that wasn't wow. intentional. It was just like, I was, you know, I was like an emo kid. And this is like when like the used had their big record and yellow card had their big, like all these bands who was just like, I grew up on so I had a big record. Um, so someone one day randomly like tracked me down. and was like, are you the kid who's been like dropping CDs off? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Oh, everyone wants to talk to you. And I went from like the intern who was like making everyone coffee to you know, one day, like, <laughs> walking into, like, a boardroom, being like, who's the next band? We should sign them. We should get in front of this. And I was like, wow, it's, it's like, eye-opening how this all works, right? Uh, through all of it, uh, Kevin was always just super honest with me. Uh, we ended up, you know, working together for a decade uh, plus. I still, you know, he's still, like, a family friend now. Um and it, it, it all goes back really to like that moment, you know, when I was like 20 years old, sneaking backstage at the Warped Tour. And then you worked for, with uh, Kevin for a while there too, right? Yeah, Kevin, yeah. Um, uh, Kevin's just that guy where he's, uh, he's like, hey, uh, you're doing something cool. Do you need anything? Can I help you? You know, do you want me to hook you up with this person or like give you someone's phone number? Cool. So he took really good care of me. He ended up hiring me for six months uh, to like work on, you know, this side project he was, he was doing at the end of the six months, he very generously, you know, was seen, I was working in management. This was before 303 was doing well. And he was just like, look, if you want to keep coming to the office and using the desk, you only have to pay me rent. Just like show up here, bring a good vibe to the office, anything you need, like you let me know. And I kept coming in and, you know, 303 ended up having their moment and I ended up, you know, starting the company. Um, and I don't know if I'd be able to do that without someone like, you know, Kevin, and in this case, Kevin specifically, you know, giving me that support. So um, I, I remember, I remember those moments, right? And I, I try and 20 years later, uh, makes me sound very old, but I try and, you know, pay those opportunities forward. Um, because that's what we are at the end of the day, right? We're a community that supports each other. And without that support, I wouldn't have made it right. And think of all the other people that wouldn't make it without their support. Um, so I, I learned a lot from him for sure. 
that's something that I think about every single day. In fact, that's how we met was because Kevin took a chance on me after emailing him and his assistant for at least a couple of years trying to get our artists onto Warp Tour. And so one time I was going out to Los Angeles, I said, you know what, what? why not? It's worth a shot. I just asked, hey, can I just have 15 minutes of Kevin's time? And mm-hmm. took at least four to six tries. And I finally got a response back the week, like literally the day I was about to leave for LA. And Kevin said, uh, Kevin's assistant said, sure. Uh, we can, how about next week? And I said, perfect. Whatever it was, I didn't care. Like I'll, you know, if I have to stick in LA for a couple more days, whatever, I don't care. I'm just going to be there. So sure enough, meet, uh, meet Kevin at his house. And, you know, we sat down and we just chatted for a bit and, you know, he asked me questions about how I got started with 8020 and I asked him questions about Warp Tour. And, you know, this was even the time that uh, there was discussions about the final year of Warp Tour. So I asked him questions about that. And, you know, not only did Kevin give uh, my artist a chance to being on Warp Tour for the last run, but then I know that he mentioned me to you and that's how we met was through mm-hmm. Kevin. Yeah. I mean, Kevin, the thing um, I've read a lot uh you know, since from like business leaders and stuff, he said, one of the most important things you can do is just help other people without any kind of motive or agenda, right? Like um, if you can connect someone or support them, just do it. And you'd be surprised at how that comes back to you, right? In the world. Uh, and you're kind of like, how does that actually work? I don't get it. And, and it's so true. Um, you know, Ke- Kevin, I was, uh, God, I was at Warp Tour three or four years ago, one of the last years it was happening. And I ended up having to come out to one in, it must've been in like Pennsylvania or something like that. One I wouldn't normally be at. And uh, Kevin's walking by and he goes, Michael, I want you to meet this girl. She's 15. She loves the Warp Tour. She's got a great voice. I mean, that was it. That was the extent of the entire conversation. I said, okay. So I met this girl and her family and, you know, she's telling me about the band she's in and, you know, her singing background and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. Like, it's really nice to meet you. Uh, go home, listen to the demos. Wow. This, this young woman is incredibly talented. Um, you know, hit up the family. I go, look, there's nothing in this for me but I have some producers I think you should work with. Can I connect you? They connect. Song, uh, song comes out kind of, I won't say falls off my radar because we stay in touch, right? But I was like, cool, I like did this nice thing for this. Song goes out there um, and it's a great song, right? Absolutely phenomenal song. Uh, I'm super proud of this person, but also like, you know, they're in high school, they need to like, graduate, take vocal training, like learn a lot. There's a lot of work that still goes into being into a band. As a manager, I only sign a band every, you know, two years, we like sign someone new. So I'm not in a position to like work with anyone, but just doing nice things to connect people. Um, so one of my best friends who's, who uh, runs a record label uh, calls me up and he goes, you won't believe what just happened. I said, what happened? He's like, I heard the most incredible song on the internet six months ago. And I've been trying to figure out who this band is and who put this whole thing together. And I've been trying to get a hold of anyone. And the band has been blowing me off for six months because they didn't believe I was real. Uh, they couldn't believe someone from a record label would actually reach out to them. So they just ignored it. 
So I finally spoke to them and they said, the person who put this whole thing together was you. And you're like my best friend. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I really thought I played the song for you. He's like, no, I absolutely love it. I think we should all work on this band together. And so we both ended up signing the band, right? And, and now an artist on our roster has a record deal and has a song and is like today in the studio recording because Kevin Lyman walked by one day and said, hey, Michael, you know, you got some time off in Pennsylvania. You got to meet this, this young girl. That's it. It like changed everyone's life. And which band is that? Would that be a band that anybody knows? No, we haven't announced it yet. Oh, you have announced it? Oh, this is recent. Okay, very cool. Uh, no, this was this was Wait. like two or three years in the making, but oh, we're wow. only just just now. So, um, her and the band graduated um, high school, and they've taken all the lessons. They've written the songs. They're they're in a fantastic spot now. So we've actually been staying in touch and working together now for a long time, but. You know, it's like a year's worth of work goes into something before you're ready to, to you know, tell the world about it. So we're like Absolutely. just on the cusp of telling the world about it. Uh, but no, we have no one even knows who it is yet. Oh, that's exciting. You know, it's 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 amazing because it's it's also it's great to see that even all after all this time, it's where now you have people that are in the industry and everyone has different walks of life and people that you met before that had nothing to do with the music industry sometimes get into the music industry and some people that you know forever that was you know you know doing one thing is now you know an executive at a company or is now working for a major corporation you know so it's it's i can't stress this enough as how important it is to not only build out your network and you know, connect with people, but also, you know, do become friends with people that you are like-minded with, people who share the same values, share the same passions with, because those are the people that you build that trust with, and that goes with you pretty much throughout the rest of your life. Yeah, you know, it's, it's um, I think part of the difficulty, but it's just still so interesting to me that, um, like, the people I still work with every day are the, are, are my friends who started with me 20 years ago. Um, and I think that's just sort of the nature of things, right? It's like, I'm always like, oh, who's the next, you know, up and comer who's doing cool things. But like, I'm 40, right? Like, why do they want to talk to me? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not cool. Uh, so you just kind of stick to your team, right? And it's like, yeah, my fa like my favorite people to work with are still the ones that, you know, I worked with 20 years ago when I, none of us had careers. Um, so yeah, finding like-minded people and like working together as a team. And, um, I mean, th th that's how I got my start when I moved to LA, I moved into a house and it was me as a manager and one of my friends who ran a label and one of my friends who was a booking agent. And it was just the three of us going, all right, well, we're the three jobs. Like, let's start working on some bands together. And we broke some bands. Right. And like, those are still the people I work with. That's incredible. So what do you get? What are you up to? Uh, I know you mentioned about still, you know, nurturing bands and uh, so forth with the company, but is there anything else that you're working on right now? Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things when, when 303, you know, um, was first having its moment over 10 years ago, uh, I had an interesting decision to make and it was looking around and seeing other management companies um, who who, and I, there's nothing like wrong with this. It just wasn't 
what I wanted to do, right? It's like they would hire more employees and manage more bands. And um, I think for me, I was finding, okay, I'm good at having these like vision for people, but I would be better suited to like have a group of support for creative individuals, right? So what does that look like? And it, it's not a straight management company, it, uh, you know, for bands. Uh, one of the first things we did was we really encouraged the 303 uh, guys to write and to produce. And some of their earliest, earliest sessions were with unknowns, right? Uh, but those unknowns were Ariana Grande, Kesha, Katy Perry. Um, and that has since like grown out the company. So probably half of our company, uh, we manage um, songwriters, producers, mixers, and film composers. Um, another piece of the company, right, we still do artist management for bands. Um, we do a record label, right, called Adventure Cat Records. That came from us signing bands to do management and, and telling those bands, we're not going to go race to go get a record deal right now. We're going to put these out ourselves and prove that there's demand for what you're doing and go out and get a better deal down the line, right? So like, let's work together for a year and then you'll get your better deal, you know, as we uh, move to a bigger label. And then that was so effective. We said, well, we never get to really work with anyone except our own bands. Maybe this is a good opportunity to expand that. So we've expanded that uh, network. And, you know, one of the first bands we have, I think the first band we ever signed was a band called Capstan. Um, we put out their first record and then they signed a really wonderful deal with Fearless uh, Concord. Uh, so that's, uh, I look at it as more of like an accelerator type of, you know, label. So we do that. Uh, we do merchandise now. So we have actually, it's grown uh, a whole lot, but um, I have separate partners and we have three warehouses in Southern California. We're one of the only merchandise companies that does like cut and sew and dyes. So, you know, tie dye, acid wash, bleaching, whatever, um, here um, in the States. And uh, that lets, you know, that like scratches my creative itch because we get to work with even more bands now, right? So I was like, maybe we don't manage you, maybe we don't distribute you, but we can make, you know, cool tie dye sweatpants if that's what you want, right? So that's pretty interesting. So, that's really um, cool. I, yeah, so that was sort of my 10 year plan, and we're coming in on the 10 years. And it, it's kind of weird to look back and be like, you know, like every few years I want to start like a new pillar of the company. And now a decade later, it's like, oh, we did that and it worked. Like that's, <laughs> it's kind of cool. I didn't really think it was actually going to happen. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I, I know your time is limited, but I really, really appreciate you being on the podcast. So thank you so much. And I want to add one more thing because, again, I think it's so important to mention about uh, just paying it forward. And you've been so nice to me as well, like because we got to connect and we became friends and I always try to come and see you when I'm, whatever I'm out to in L.A., uh, but you given opportunities to my artists as well, um, especially ones that are still up and coming. And uh, again, that's something that you didn't have to do. And I, I always will be forever grateful for that. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And it led me to being able to be part of this with you. So thank you for that. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the 8020 show. To learn more about 8020 Records, you can check us out on pretty much any social media at 8020. 20 records or visit our website at www.8020 
www.thepodcastrecords.com. Until next time, be happy, be healthy, and be productive.